right. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Oh, good. We're glad you're here. And uh, my name is Brandon. I'm the pastor here. I want to say thanks for being here um, on this Sunday morning and spending it with us. We, um, if, uh, if you came yesterday, yesterday was a big day. How many of you came out to our pumpkin patch yesterday? Yeah? Yeah, look at that. Oh, look at all those hands. Yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. It was, um, we, uh, we planned the weather perfectly, so you're welcome. We, get this, we had over 1,500 people come yesterday. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. Man. Uh, most of which, most of which are, are community people just showing up, getting, right? Because we, you know, again, you, we, you got to get your gourd. So great, come get them. Um, and, and I don't know if you saw this too. I, I, I think, I haven't, I haven't looked out there uh, this service, but uh, are there still pumpkins out there? A few pumpkins, right? There's a little bit of a pumpkin patch. Here's what we're allowing, okay? Ready? Now, I, um, some, just some stipulations. Um, number one, you can't leave right this second. Okay, but we will allow you to get a pumpkin on your way out, right? Those are all extras. They're just like, hey, we have them here. Uh, you know, we don't need these. You guys need gourds, so go get on your way out. You can get one, but also, so, um, so don't leave right now. Uh, and also, and also uh, uh, let's try to keep it one per person or at least per kid. Like, and if you see kids, like if there's a family with like three kids and you're like a grown man, let them have the pumpkins, okay? I, like, I don't want to see you with a wheelbarrow of like 15, like, get out of here, going to my car. Like, you know, like, get a pumpkin, sure. But like, you know, don't steal them from children, okay? So that's just a, that's just, that's just good. That's just a life lesson, right? Don't steal pumpkins from children. I bet you didn't know you'd learn that coming here this morning. Uh, we're glad you're here. But uh, so on your way out, just grab some pumpkins. Free charge is, is wonderful. Um, uh, and then also... In a couple weeks is our small group interest lunch. So uh, if you are interested in uh, hearing more about small groups, thinking about joining a small group, just want to know what it is or, or more about it, we are now officially relaunching back uh, our small group ministry, right? The COVID season, uh, most all groups kind of went on pause for a while. So now we're, we're re-engaging, relaunching that. So, uh, so that's coming up uh, in a couple weeks. So small group lunch. Uh, and then also uh, um, uh, get your pumpkin on the way out. And our, uh, really, the, our, our pumpkin patch was awesome. Uh, before we even continue, I, I want to do this. I, there's a lot of people who volunteered who I think, all right, I, I'm looking at you. I know you're in this room. Can we just thank them for volunteering for that? It was, it took, it took, it took a whole army of servants and people serving. And especially if you see Pastor Kirsten today, let her know, hey, it was great, well done. And her whole team, if you see people, her team, anyone, anyone essentially who's like working with kids, just let them know, man, it was great. And it was a lot of fun. And so um, we, uh, it was great. So this morning, we are in our series, Ology. And Ology just literally means the study of, or the study of a subject. And if you were, have been following along, so we started week one, this is a few weeks ago now. Week one was on the Bible. What do Christians believe about the Bible? And we talked specifically like, what, what is this? And what makes it different? And why should I trust it? And why should I believe it? And, and why, is, like, why is it different than other religious books? There's a lot of religious books in the world. What, what makes this so different? So we talked about that. And if you want to uh, watch that, you can go online and catch up and, and rewatch all of these. Um, you can just, you know, just put them on repeat in, in your office if you want to. It's great. Uh, and, then, and then week two, we talked about uh, theology proper, like the study of God. 
What do Christians believe about God? Everyone has an opinion about God, a thought about God. Even if you're an atheist, like your belief about God is that there is no God. So you have some understanding of, of who or what God is. But what, is, what does the Bible say about God? As Christians, Bible-believing Christians, what do we believe about God? That was two weeks ago. In the last week, we looked at, at specifically now Christ. And, and all right, people have heard the name Jesus, but, but what does this say about him? And what do we need to know about him? And, and what, again, what makes him different than other people that have lived? And, and, and when we studied Jesus, like what, what, does the, what do we learn from the scriptures about him? Last week, we looked at that. This, this week... We're now moving and progressing on. And, and this, is, uh, this, is the, this is the topic that, that like none of us want to talk about. We don't, like, uh, it makes, like this morning it's going to feel a little uncomfortable because what we're talking about, the study we're looking at today is what do Christians believe about sin? Now, the word sin right away is like, oh, here we go. Because there's, like, all of us have, again, some level of, of understanding about sin. And, and for a lot of us, it's, it's something we don't like talking about. And it's something we'd say, you know what, this is probably better just left quiet, left unspoken. Like, this, let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk about yours. You definitely don't need to talk about mine. So let's just, let's just not deal with it, okay? Let's just... And, and in fact, probably... Um, what used to be accepted universally that like people are sinners like in society today that isn't even true like we don't even start with a baseline that like hey yeah we all make mistakes we all do what the Bible calls sin um, n- now like people people's opinion of sin is like well no no that's just life now like what, what used to be called sin is now called just lifestyle that's just, that's just what I do that's who I am who are you to tell me I'm wrong or that this is wrong or I can't or shouldn't do this or that somehow like I'm sinful because I do this thing or these things. Our, our, our view of sin now is as different as, uh, as our view on politics. And here's our view on politics. Ready? My view is right and yours doesn't matter. <laughs> That's kind of how we treat it, right? And, and, and with regard to sin, like, hey, listen, my opinion and my idea of sin, it, that's, that's what it is for me and yours, I don't need to hear about. I don't care. doesn't matter. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to deal with it. But we can say this. As we start out, I, I want to start by saying this. How you view sin directly affects how you view God that your understanding of what sin is and what its effects are has a direct effect on, on who you think God is and what his role in your life should be. That, this, that, that as we look at sin and what it is and what it isn't and like why, it's, why, why even study it, it is important because it actually gives us insight into who God is. It tells us stuff about him. And, and listen, um, all of us, I'm going to guess we're all maybe on various like levels or understandings or different pages with regard to sin. And, and some of us, um, some of us, you, you view sin and maybe you've grown up viewing sin as something to be removed from your life at all costs. And your job is to say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get rid of it. And 
I'm going to make sure I get rid of it for my family and especially my kids. And so for you, ready? Sin is something to be removed and dealt with and kept at arm's length and protected from. And so you do everything you can to stop it from coming into your home and into your life. So for you, faith is a bunch of do's, this divine do's and don'ts, right? This list of, okay, don't do this stuff and do this stuff. And, and maybe some of us grew up maybe in a, in a, a, a Christian home where, where that was what was expected. That was our experience of maybe of church. Here's all the bad stuff. Don't do these. The good stuff. Do, do all this. And if you cross over, oh, you got in trouble. And if that's your understanding of sin, it affects your understanding of who God is. Because God then is just, you know, like, like the, the ultimate principle with the ruler in his hand ready to just smack you if you get it wrong. And that's what he does. He's just waiting for you to mess up and then he's going to zap you. So stop messing up. Do what you can to stop messing up. Others of us, maybe we think, like if you, the pendulum swings to the other side, sin is, it's, it's no big deal. Listen, it's normal. It's a part of human life. Nobody's perfect, right? Everybody makes mistakes, okay? Raise your hand if you're perfect. Any, like, go ahead. I saw that hand. Let's talk afterward because uh, I, think, I think you just ruined it. <laughs> like any, any no, nobody's perfect. We're all messed up. And so listen, who are we to throw, how are we to cast stones at other people? Who am I to say that they're wrong and that they're bad and that somehow, somehow they're worse than I am or I'm worse than they are? Listen, we're all in this together. We're all messed up. And, and here's the deal. I know in my heart I'm a good person. And here's what I'm relying on. I'm just going to do more good stuff than bad. And at the end of my life, like if, like if God were weighing scales, like, all right, as long as my good like outweighs my bad, then then, then I think he'll let me in. Like my hope is that at the end, I'm before God and I just say, hey, you know, you know, I was a good person. I did the best I could. And just, you know, I'm hoping you let me in. If that's your understanding of who God is or how, what sin is, it affects your understanding of God. If for you, what you're saying is, as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, what does it matter? If that's your understanding, it affects what you think God's role should be in your life. Or maybe, um, maybe for some of us, we feel enslaved by certain sins. That right now, um, no matter what you try, no matter what you do, you just feel like, I just can't, I can't break it. I can't break this addiction or struggle or issue or whatever this thing is. Like, I can't. I've tried everything. I've tried everything. And I just, it's just this one thing. It's not like all the stuff. It's just this one thing that's just got, it just got me. It feels like, it feels like an invisible prison. Like, I'm fighting against it. And in the end, I always lose. And, and for you, what faith looks like is just hiding that prison. All right. F faith is just, uh, it's not, I, I, other people don't need to know about this struggle, about this thing that I got. And, and so for me, like, well, you know, going to church, it's like, hey, just, it's just putting on a, making sure everything looks good. And if that's your understanding of sin, of like, I can't beat it, I just gotta hide it, it will affect what you think God's role is and should be in your life. Namely, that he can't take care of it. You just gotta hide it, just cover it up. 
So today we look at the study of sin. The word uh, sin in Greek is, uh, there's a number of words, but the main one is hamartia, which is the Greek word for sin. So the study of sin is hamartiaology, right? Hamartiology. So we're literally the study now of sin. So where does sin come from? That's a good question. All right. Whatever you understand or think about sin, when you hear the word sin, wherever you are on your, like, uh, your understanding or theological level or involvement or, or how much you've studied or not studied or what you think, okay, we all can agree on this. Ready? Whatever, however you see sin, we could say this. Whatever it is, it's bad. Right? Like none of us will say, you know what? When, when, man, when, when pastor was talking about sin, like I just thought, I need more of that in my life. I just need more. I need to fill myself and my family with more of that. Like, no, okay, whatever it is, we know that we don't want it. It's not good for us. And, and, and so, like, what do we do with it? We know it's not a good thing. But I've noticed, um, I've noticed over the years that we, that we all have an interesting relationship to sin. That, that I have an interesting relationship to sin. And, and, and I know you do as well. Here's what we do. Ready? Uh, we minimize our own sin. It's really not that big of a deal. You guys, it's not a big deal. But we maximize others' sin. Have you heard what she is doing? Do you know what he said? Do you, do you the kind of life, the decisions there, like our sin, it's fine. It, we, we're really good at minimizing, but exaggerating the sins of your neighbor. So um, uh, look at the person next to you. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. Maybe it's a, you know, a spouse, a friend, a, a relative, a, you know, whatever, stranger, even better. <laughs> okay, ready? Look at them, ready? They are a terrible sinner. Did you know that? So you look at them and, and, and here's, and here's the, the, the person you look at, ready? You know they're a terrible sinner, so, so do this, okay? Look at them, I want you to say this. You sinner. Go ahead. Go ahead, you sinner. Now, here's, here's the deal. Ready? That was really easy, huh? <laughs> it was really easy to call out and to tell them that they're a sinner. Um, some of you, I heard you, I was watching you. Some of you, you've been waiting, especially maybe if you're married, like you've been waiting for this moment for a while. To, to say those words. And, and like, we're joking around right now a little bit, but, but you weren't. It was like, you sinner. <laughs> oh, oh my, oh, whoa. Right, like we're really good. We're really good at pointing out and thinking about others, people's sins and how bad it is and how bad, like the them out there and the things we see on TV and all this stuff. Like, I can't believe it. And for ours, here's what we do with ours. Uh, listen, it's not that bad. We look in the mirror and we say, you know what? You're trying your best. You're doing what you can. This is, it's just normal. It's just normal struggle. Listen, you'll do better next time. Yeah, I will do better next time. All right. And, and we're really good at excusing and just kind of, just kind of washing over, just, just, just breezing over our issues. But man, if someone sins against us, you're still remember. You go to bed thinking about it. You will remember that. We're good at that. So where does it come from? Why am I able to rationalize my sin yet condemn others in their sin? Uh, 
We see this in, in James chapter one. He talks, James is gonna tell us about sin. And so God's gonna tell us specifically now where sin comes from because a, a lot of times we get this wrong. And, and though we won't maybe say it out loud to someone because we know how it sounds weird, but, but we still believe it. We think it. We know it to be true. or At least we, we feel it to be true. And here's what we usually do. We blame not ourselves. We blame everyone else. And especially we blame God. God, you made me this way. Why'd you make me like this? Why'd you make me with this struggle? Why can't you just fix this thing in my life or this part of me? Or why'd you put them in my life? Why, why won't you just take them away? Like why, why are you on this circumstance or this issue to happen? God, why? Why are you doing this to me? Here's what James says. James chapter one. He says this, when tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay, so listen, right out the gate, our understanding of sin is this. God is not causing this temptation in you. God's not the one you get to blame. God is not tempted by sin, nor does he tempt Verse 14, but each person, here's the answer. Ready? Where does it come from? Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after this desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Sin is not something that's out there or other people are making you do it or God has made God. God, why are you doing this to me? Here's what he says. Sin is actually from, it's, oh, it's in here. That it's, it's, the, it's the desires that come from within. This is why we don't like talking about it because we know it's me. I'm the problem. It's my issue. It's easy to blame everyone else's, but like, really? Oh man, it's me. Where, where does the sin come from? Where, oh, man. It comes from within. And the end result, it says, is death. And this isn't the only place it says that the result of sin is death. In fact, it happens to be all over the place. We see that Paul writes in Romans, the wages of sin is death. We go all the way back to the garden, and we see that the, the result of the first sin is actual death, physical death, that now death enters the world. That at, you know, those first two people, Adam and Eve, they, they just messed it up for us, right? They did what we never do. They disobeyed God. We never do that. We never get it wrong. Oh, actually, we are just like them. <laughs> and we see the result is death, and death enters the world, and you and I, we experience it. And it's painful, and it's terrible. And it's a result of, death, of sin being, being in our world. We see that it results in spiritual death, that, that we have a, a disconnection between us and God, that it actually affects us spiritually. And then the Bible talks about what we could call an eternal death. In Revelation, it talks about a second death. And this death is forever. There's no coming back from this death. This is at the end when, when, when all sin and every, all, the, all the bad stuff now, it says it it's now experiences this eternal death. The result of sin is death. So here's the truth. You ready? 
whatever you believe, when you came in, whatever your understanding of sin was, whatever your understanding of your sinfulness was or is, here's the truth. Sin's effect on you is worse than you think. Whatever your understanding of your sinfulness is, ready? It's worse. It's far worse. Whether you think it's just a little bit like, ah, I, you know, I'm just, I'm on the right path. I just need to make a few course corrections. Or it's like, oh man, I'm messed up. Ready? Sin and its effect on you, it's worse. It's worse than, you, than what you think it is. Here's what we see in, in Psalm 51. We're going to read a whole bunch now just of just, there's a whole bunch of the Bible talks a lot about sin. It just jumps. I mean, when you read the scriptures, it just jumps off the pages like this is a real issue, a serious issue, the issue we need to deal with. And here's what Psalm 51 says. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That you and I are born into sin and it isn't like, it isn't like we're, we're perfect. I mean, we're born, you know, like all babies are perfect and cute. Some are more perfect than others, right? There's four in particular I'm thinking of. I have four kids, by the way. You've even made that connection. It was, a, it was a good In my mind, that was a good joke. It isn't as though, like, we're all born perfect, and then we just wait for that first sin, and then, right, the kid gets, and they get to a certain age, and then they, they do it. That Whatever that sin is, and they, like, they steal the toy from their sister, or they, you know, spit something back at mom, or whatever. And it's just like, oh, now you're ruined. You were perfect, but now you've sinned and there's no going back. That's not how it works. We're, we're told in the Bible is, listen, we were conceived in sin. That when we were born, we were already, we had sin in us because sin is, is more than just something we do. It's in us. Psalm 14, it says this, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Ecclesiastes 7 says this, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. There's, there's no one. There's no one who never sins, who always does what is right. There's not one. And then we see Paul write in Romans chapter 3. He even quotes some of these verses. He said, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have, they have together become worthless. There was no one who does good, not even one. And then he sums up this chapter and he says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when we look at scripture, it's quite clear. All of us are sinful. There's not one we say, you know what? I made it out. I, 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 I figured it out. I survived this. No, no, no. Listen, if this is all of us, whether you like it or not, it's in all of us. And it has affected, we could say this, sin has affected every area of your life. This, now, what we're about to say doesn't mean like you are as bad as you could be, that you could be worse. Some of us, some of, some of you are like, you're there. But we, you, you, you're, I look around, I, I know a lot of you, like you're good people. But just because you're like a, a good person and you're loving and you're kind and you, right, you're, that doesn't mean that that you are immune to sin and that it hasn't affected every area of your life because sin has affected all of us. Sin has affected us physically, that you and I, we, physically we die. 
We age, we have illnesses. We de- we're dealing right now with a pandemic, a virus. They're like, sin is in the world and now there's illness and, and like, it, well, it, this, this isn't how it's gonna be forever. But right now, here and now, sin allowed death to enter and, and it affected us physically. Sin affects us mentally and, and all of the, our mental health and our mental state and our level of anxiety that we struggle with and deal with. Ready? Listen, that is because sin is in the world. And, and I want to be clear that like usually when we talk about this kind of stuff, people will say like, hold on, are you saying that, that my struggle uh, with anxiety is because of particular sins in my life? And, and the answer is, uh, no, it's actually more than that. It's the fact that we are sinful and it affects our ability to live. So it isn't like, well, you did this one sin when you were 13 years old and now God's making you pay for it. No, it's not, it's not this one-to-one ratio. It's, it's, listen, it has affected your ability to have to be as healthy mentally as you can be. It's affected us emotionally. That our emotion, we feel our emotions, but man, we can let our emotions control us. And that in our emotion, wow, we can do some terrible things things. We can make some bad decisions. We can say some really harsh things. It's affected us socially. Just look at the world today. Look at, look at, pick any time in history, get a snapshot of the world and say, it's messed up. I mean, it doesn't matter when you look at the world socially as, as people. Wow, we, we are, we are broken and we, sin has had its way with us. It's affected your life relationally. And there, there are relationships that are either damaged or maybe even completely severed because of sin. It's affected you personally with relationships. And it's affected us spiritually that, that even we're created with a, a spirit. We're not just physical, but we're spirit as well. And, and man, sin has affected that. And my ability to relate with God on a, on, a, on a level that is just more than just the here and now, like, man, sin has affected every single one of those areas. Jeremiah 17 says this, a pretty famous verse. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And then he throws his hands up. Who can understand it? <laughs> the heart, listen, I, how, do we, how do we explain this? I don't know. There's no fix. There's no fix for this. Who can understand it? Who can, who can cure what, the, what is going on in the human heart? We look at Scripture, it's quite clear. We're all sinful. And it's affected all of us in every area of our life. So what is sin? All right. Where does it come from? We see it, it comes from within. It comes from somehow inside me. It's, I was born with it. I was born into it. I continue to do it. It doesn't matter like how good I try to be. Like there's always that next thing. I'm like, oh, but I did it. I messed up again. And, and like, it's always there. All right, so what is it? What, what, when we look at scripture, all right, God, tell us what sin is. Here it is, ready? It's kind of a, technical theological definition but it, it's, it is what it is sin is any action or attitude that is contrary to God's moral law any action or attitude any word or thought or even like disposition that is contrary to what God wants or what he expects that is sin so sin is listen sin is not just a list of stuff like here's all the things you shouldn't do more than that. It's anything outside of what God wants and expects for us. 
And then it comes really on, on two levels. Um, some things we just know intuitively. And if, and if you don't, we, like, we label you and we, like, it's a problem, right? So the, all of us as humans, we know this. Murder is wrong, right? I, I hope you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you disagree. Uh, maybe I should and we'll all just kind of move some away from you. But murder is wrong, right? We all say, yeah, yeah easy. Did someone have to tell you that? Well, no, it's just like, it's just, all, it's just know it. You just know that murdering someone is wrong. And we punish people and we build facilities to jail them if they do this and like get them, they're a, a, a threat to society. Like, okay, we know that's wrong intuitively. But then there's things that we, we don't know intuitively that, that God tells us in Scripture. That God, God tells us, he says, all right, there's, there's, there's things that you have that I put in the human conscience, but then there's other things that, that you need to know. And he writes them down, and they're, and they're in here, and there's a, they're, they're all over the place. And it's, and it's used as a, as a reminder and a, and a way to point out our sinfulness. This is what we, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are that. It's God saying, all right, listen, I want you to know these, these are like, of all the things I'm telling you, okay, ready, here's the top ten. The top ten, like, do's and don'ts, here they are. Because uh, these, this, is how I'm defining and describing Sin. This is wrong. Now, there's not only 10. I don't know if you know that. There's not only like 10 sins you can commit. There's, there's quite a few. Some of us, you're finding new ones. Good, good gone, yeah. But what we see in Scripture is God saying, all right, now here's, it's beyond than just the, the intuitive. Here's, here's, let me tell you now what you should and should not do. Now, remember, sin is, is worse than you think. And so sin is, sin is not just a decision. I mean, it is a decision. You, you, we decide to sin. But it's more than that. Sin is not just a decision. It's also a condition. That it isn't just like you make all these choices and so therefore you're sinful. It's, it's, it's more than that. It's worse than that. And this is what you see people do. Like um, you'll see... Uh, you'll see um, political commentators or people, you know, on TV or interviews or whatever, and they're, they're interviewing someone, usually someone of faith, and, and they're trying to trip them up, and they'll just go through like, all right, so is this a sin? And they're trying to get this list of like, all right, you tell me your list, and you tell me, then like, if you give me this list, that means all the people who do this, you're saying are sinners and ready, and you're going to hell. And they get this list, and they, and they, they try to trap you, like whatever this is, and they give you this conversation of, all right, tell me what you think is sin, and you, like, we'll put it on sin side or like not sin side, and I'm just gonna go through this, and we're just gonna get an understanding of where you are. And, and, and though that like might be entertaining, it doesn't understand, that is a terrible understanding of sin. Sin is not just a list of like the don'ts, ready? It's who, it's, it's a part of us. It's our condition. It's where we're, it's like, it's in me. So to say like, hey, listen, here's all the stuff that's sinful. Don't do these things. is not enough. You and I, we, we, we don't just sin. We, we are, like we experience sinfulness. Here's, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I mean. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this. And depending on your translation, it'll translate it either as flesh or, or other translations will, will call it a sinful nature. You've probably heard of this, right? This sin nature. All right. So Paul talks about this thing in Romans chapter 8. Those who live according 
to the flesh. Flesh is the proper translation. It's how we should understand it. Those who live according to, he says, uh, what is it? It's the flesh, like the flesh, like our body and our, our desires have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So there's two things, ready? There's those who have their minds on the flesh and the earthly things. And man, they, they focus on that. And then there's like what God wants, like his spirit, like we focus on that. And then he says this, the mind governed by the flesh, here it is, ready, is death. It's death. It leads to death. It is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Look at this. Nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh or live by the flesh cannot please God. It's more than just simply saying like, oh, I messed up. Whoops. What Paul is saying is, listen, you aren't even able to please God or submit to him. You, because of our flesh, you're not even in a position where you, if you just try harder, you still can't do it. One theologian, he says this, yet sin is not merely wrong acts or thoughts, but sinfulness as well. An inherent inner disposition inclining us to wrong acts and thoughts. And then he says this, and this is so helpful, so I, I, this should be, I hope it's helpful for you. We are not simply sinners because we, are, because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. It isn't like, okay, let's list out all the sins, and if you do those, oh, so you're, you're saying that they're sinners? No, 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 the opposite is true. We're all sinners, and so we do these things. And we all do different ones. And our lists are all different. But you can't just simply say, let's just stop all the sin. Let's just not do these things and then we'll be fixed. No, no, no. It's in us. We are sinners and the effect of that is we sin. So here's the deal. Here's the good news. You ready? You will never be able to rid yourself of sin. Congratulations. Welcome, welcome to humanity. You are sinful by nature in our core, in our deepest parts. It's a, a, we can think of it as a virus that has corrupted us never to be removed. In its essence, we can say this, sin is a break in relationship with God. It's more than just a, a whoops, get punished, move on. It's more than just you're grounded. It's a, I, I cannot please or even know God because of sin. This is why it's such a big deal for God because God, God loves all of us and he knows, he knows what's best for you and he knows what, he, like, what, what you want and what he wants and he knows what's best for you and what's best for you is a relationship with him. And anytime sin enters, anytime, whether you're a Christian for 40 years or you aren't or you'd like, like anywhere in between, anytime there's sin, it's a break in that relationship. This is why God hates sin so much. He wants you to have a relationship with him, to have a, an incredible life-giving connection with a, a father full of goodness and love and care. But because we, in our sin, focus on something else, it creates a break. In, in the Bible, it's what... God calls idolatry to put anything else in front of or above him 
And sin is that. It's saying, God, here's what you want. Here's your expectation. Here's, here's, the, here's what's life-giving and what you say is good. And I want to do that. Oh, not again. Sin is a break in relationship with God. So now what? What do we do? First, uh, Pastor Brandon, thanks for this encouraging message. Right? When we talk about sin, it just, it just feels that way. And it's, it's, it's good. It's a good reminder because, listen, truth, truth does not always make us feel good. Doesn't. I mean, honestly, real truth probably shouldn't. But truth is always for our benefit. Though it might not make us feel really good, it is always, but you know what? This is better. This is right. It's it's for my good. So we talk about sin, and it's, though it doesn't make us feel good, it's, it's for our good. So I realize I'm sinful to my core. You're sinful to your core. It's affected me in more ways than I realize. It's affected you in more ways than you realize. And the way I see it, you have three choices. Choice one, and, and you can pick this. You can just... Ignore everything we talked about and move on and pretend none of this is real. Pretend you never heard it. Just don't deal with it. And a lot of people do this. I, you know what? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Let's just move on. Let's talk about anything else. Okay? And, and this, this literally is the expression, ignorance is bliss. Hey, I just don't want to deal with it. And you, know, you probably know people like that. I certainly do. I don't even want to talk about it. That's an option. It's a real option for you. Option two is um, you, can, you can try to keep fixing this yourself. And there are a lot of people who do this. Just try to fix your own sinfulness yourself, your own mistakes, your own errors. You know what? I'm just going to... Here, here's my, the, the problem with my sinfulness is I just, I'm not trying hard enough. If I try harder, then I, can, then I can beat it. Then I can fix it. Then I can get over it. If I try harder, it'll be better for me. If I try this option or this religion or that religion or this way to God or this prescription and everything, everyone has their prescription of how you deal with this. If I just keep, just keep, keep trying and then eventually when I die, God will know, you know what, I did my best. I did my best. I did what I could. That's an option. A lot of people pick it. Or there's a third option. And this, I would argue, is not just the right, it is the right option. It's not just the right option. It's the life-giving option. You, you can recognize that what the Bible says about you is true, that you don't just sin, that you are sinful to your core, that you can't fix it, and you need something or someone else to do it for you. Ooh, now we're on to something. This problem of sin in your life isn't a matter of like, ah, I'll just fix it myself. It's, this is beyond me. I need something else to do this because I can't, I'm, I'm stuck. This we call the good news. What do you know? That God also in this same book talks about a solution for this problem. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. Ready? This penalty you can't pay, this debt that, that sin has, occur, has accrued in your life that you, you will never be able to reconcile, here's what I'm going to do. Ready, guys? I'm going to pay it for you. I'm going to come down. I'm going to live amongst you. And then I'm going to pay that debt. I'm going to send my son, Jesus. And he, 
He will die a sacrifice. He will take on the punishment that should be for you and he will pay your price. That is good news. And then he raises them from the dead to prove he does in fact have authority over death and now has defeated sin and now sits in authority with God and says, listen, there's everything now under his authority. He's in charge of all of it and here's your response. Ready? Here's what you're going to do. Just follow me. That's what he says. Here's what I want. Ready? I want you to put your faith in me. I want you to trust me and I want you to follow me. Can you do that? There's no, it's not like you have to, it's not like a checkbox Go to, go to church. You know, once you, once you go to church a hundred times, you're in. I mean, that would be easy, right? Some of you are like, okay, I got a few more. Some of you are like, I hit that a long time ago. <laughs> just pray a few more times. Just, you know what, confess. If you just confess this amount of times, then, then you'll be forgiven. No, 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 you don't have to do any of that. Here's what you got to do. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I'm trusting you. I'm following you. All right, that's it. If anyone believes in their heart and confesses that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, he or she will be saved. That's it. This is the good news. Romans 3.23, we saw this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the very next verse says this. And all are justified freely by his grace. How? Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. A few chapters later, he writes this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. Your only job is to respond in faith and say, all right, God, I'm in. I, I change my, I repent, I leave my old way, and now I'm following you. I'm in. Sin, we said, is a break in relationship with God, but Jesus now restores our broken relationship. Now I'm going to give us an opportunity to, to two responses this morning. So um, I, the first, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been coming a number of times. Maybe, you, maybe you've been going to church for years, but you've never really said, all right, all right, today I, I'm in. I, I'm, I have this sin problem that I can't fix. I've tried. Other people have tried. And I, I, I need Jesus to do it. I need the forgiveness he offers. I'm gonna give you that opportunity to respond in faith. So let's do this. Can we all stand up? We're gonna, we're gonna pray together and then we're gonna worship the Lord together. But before we do, I, I'm, I know there's, there's people in this room that still are deciding and saying, I've never done this. All right, but today's the day. I want to. So would you do this? Would you bow with me and close your eyes as we, as we pray? So before we pray, um, for, those, for those of us in here that are saying, yes, all right, I, I want in. I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I want to I pray for you. I want to know who you are. So if you would just... Just slip your hand up. I'm looking around, and, and it's just us, you and I. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, all right. So, Lord, for those of us that just rose their hand, God, I, I pray your goodness and grace on them right now. So if that's you, and you're saying today, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I want to be, I, God, I want the forgiveness that you offer. We do that just by speaking to God. 
and you can do that right here right now just where you are and you can you can you can speak or say words just like I'm about to you can just kind of repeat in your own heart right after me God I admit I am sinful that I am far from perfect and I can't fix myself and I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay my price I believe that Jesus can forgive me and I ask that he does and right now I commit my life to following you make me more like you Jesus and forgive me of my sin now others of us um, you've, you've maybe done that already maybe it's been years even decades but there's still a problem in your life and that's this you still feel guilt and shame you still feel like you don't measure up like my head tells me God has forgiven me but it doesn't feel that way what you need what you need to hear is what God says in Romans 8 he says this therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus (laughs) here's what he says if you are a follower of Jesus if you're in that you are now no longer stand condemned, that you are forgiven. And when he looks at you, he says, I see my son in you. Perfect. No condemnation. Forgiven because of what he did. So if that's you and you're saying, I, I, I'm just struggling, I'm really struggling with just this guilt and shame and, and understanding how God sees me, I want to pray for you too. So if you just... Just slip your hand up, and I want to I see, yeah, 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 okay. Quite a few. So God, I pray for, for those, for all of us, really, but for those in particular who are feeling guilt and shame for their sin, will you remind them, will you remind us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that when you said you are forgiven, you meant it. <laughs> and then we don't need to stand ashamed or or guilt-ridden, but rather, Lord, we want to follow you. And when you convict us, it's not because of shame and guilt. It's to say, I want more, I want to fix this broken relationship in your life, and so I'm going to point out things in your life that are preventing us from knowing each other better, and, and I'm going to work on that in you. And we say, all right, Lord, have your way with us. So God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that that you didn't leave us in our sin to just deal with it ourselves, that you yourself provide a way out to save us from that. So Lord, we worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. While we sing this last song, I want some of us, you just need to just spend a moment and just, just relax right now. Just think about what God is doing and saying in your life. Others of you, you just need to sing and belt it out. Enjoy. So as we sing this last song in close, just spend this time now, worship just you and God, worshiping Him for what He's done. Let's worship.